Four seconds on the clock. 35-yard attempt. Snap. Placement. The approach. Sweeps the leg. The kick is good. Time has run out. And the Bengals win it to improve to 3-1. The rookie kicker delivers 24-21. Hey, that's a connected team if I've ever seen one. Second half down 14 nothing at halftime. All three phases stepped up. Defense got the stops we need. Offense scored on every possession in the second half. And the special teams hammered at home like we knew they were. Couldn't go to war with a better group of men. We're going to keep fighting through adversity. It's not going to be perfect every time. We're going to keep pushing through that. We're just going to keep getting better and better and better and stacking these games. Let's keep this going. Who they? Who they? Who they say gonna beat them Bengals? Who they? Who they? Who they say gonna beat them Bengals? No! It's devastating. Heartbreaking. You know, all these guys. Usually I'm not wrong about stuff like that. That I, I just see a good team in there. I see good guys. And I see good hearts. I see guys at work. And I told them I'm not wrong. I'm not wrong about that stuff. This team's going to win some games. This one hurts. Just, you know, 14-0 halftime. Come back out and just um, somehow come up on the wrong side of it. That's, that's tough. But we're going to bounce back. I have no doubt. I know what we're made of. Just seeing how we've handled the first three weeks. I know nothing's going to change. But, damn, I really want to get a win with these guys because we've been working so hard and put ourselves in a position the last two weeks, really. Even, you know, even against the Broncos had a chance, too. And, just got to finish. Um, it's collectively, it's everybody. It's not one, one side of the ball or anything like that. It's just all of us uh, finishing. And we're getting there. I'm not even going to say, you know, it's going to take time, whatever. We're, we're right there. Michael Smith, it is good to be with you on a Friday afternoon. And I'm going to tell you, um, it's probably good in northern Kentucky in southwestern Ohio, too, because the Cincinnati, as my grandmother used to say, the Cincinnati Bengals are three and one. They're going in the right direction. And as, as I told you many times, the draft pick of Jamar Chase is brilliant. Like, that is the, that's, that's the right way to go. Jamar Chase, you don't draft Penny Sewell. You draft Jamar Chase, Mike. Like, I, I don't know. Sometimes I don't even know what you're thinking about, man. I, I'm, just trying to, I'm just trying to help you. Anyway, um, I was gonna I was gonna ask you. I, I'm, I'm glad you said that. I don't. I, I'll let you continue. I was gonna ask you how you feel about a franchise that doesn't want to win. That doesn't want winning win. their games. They don't want to win. I, I, I just didn't know. I didn't know how those two things could coexist. I mean, but uh, you know, there's I, a higher level. There's a higher level. <laughs> there's a higher level than being three and one on October first. Anyway, anyway, I, I, I digress. I'm gonna say this. Uh, no, really happy for Cincinnati. They're doing well. Happy for Joe Burrow. He seems like a good dude, straight up. Seems like a good dude. Um, and that. a second-year guy, you know, second-year guy being in that locker room and having the ear of everybody in the room, let's not underestimate that. That's uh, you, you around some grown men, some grown men who have much more experience than he does. And for them to listen, I know it's after a win, you want you, you might want to listen to the quarterback, but that tells me there's something special about him. But let's go. Let's get to the Jacksonville Jaguars. 
Now they dropped to sure. 0-4. Urban Meyer, who I usually wear out in the NFL sense, about how he's not built for this, on and on and on. I really appreciated what he had to say, and we just showed it there after the game. I'm usually not wrong about this. I think there's some wins in that locker room. And he, he also said, it wasn't shown there, he also said, the core of this team is good. Our core is good. We got good players. And I agree with Urban in this sense. Yes, they, got, they have good character. They have good players. Trevor Lawrence is the truth. You could just see it. He's not even scratching the surface of what he's going to get to. But there's a reason the guy has been the best quarterback in high school, in college, and he will be in the pros probably in two or three years. I mean, he's that good. So ta- the talent just screams. Uh, if you're watching, it just screams off the screen. But this is where he's wrong. And this is why I think he's going to struggle in Jacksonville. Team's working hard. They got talent. But that guarantees you nothing. That probably means for the Jacksonville Jaguars this year, five and twelve, four and thirteen. And college coaches usually have a hard time. College coaches like Urban Meyer, who's never lost anywhere. He's never lost four games in a row ever. Probably didn't even do it in he high lost school. Nine at Ohio ever, State. I, yeah, nine. Like nine games over a career and he's already lost four. He's going to lose more than nine this year. And that's the question. Question is, can he handle it? Now, I like what he's saying here. Maybe he's softening a bit because this is what the team needs to hear. What he said last night is what they need to hear. He didn't make excuses. right. That's why I'm struggling to say that's why I'm struggling to understand well, why you say he's wrong because that because he said the right things that, in this context. No, no, he's wrong in that. He said there are some wins in that locker room. Not in 2021, no. He said there are wins in there. Yeah, I mean, I guess there are four wins in there. They ain't 10. Yeah, but they ain't going to win 11 games. No, but, and he's, I, I, I think he's going to struggle with that, Mike. He's going to struggle with the double-digit losing season. That's a, almost a guarantee. They're going to have a double-digit losing season. I don't know what it is. I'm not rooting against Jacksonville. I like Jacksonville. Ain't, ain't, ain't nothing like that. I, I don't treat Jacksonville like I, the, the city of Jacksonville, like I treat the uh, city of Tampa. They don't even deserve a pro, pro team at all. Don't, don't support their fans, but uh, support their teams. But I'm saying Jacksonville, I'm not against Jacksonville. Just overall, it's going to be a long road. Improvement will have to be viewed in increments. Improvement will have to be viewed in, ooh, dirty phrase, moral victories. And I don't know if Urban Meyer is ready for it. Okay. Um, all right. If I'm, if I'm understanding you, and, and it's, it's, this is, it's me, not you. I just want to make I sure I'm, I'm processing. Um, you're saying that he said the right things. He said what right. his team needed to hear. He said what he should yes. say. Good, good word. But good word. The reality, but the reality is they're just not that good. And you wonder if Urban Meyer is built to withstand the process. Yeah, the process, All the right. journey, so as sounds, you say, as you like it. So that as as you put yeah. in your feed, you put that in your feed, and uh, as our as our friend of the show and your actual friend, and I, you know, I'm gonna call him my friend too. I'm gonna call him my friend too. My friend and yours, Black Thought, always said the the quote from I think it was Bobby Blue Bland who told him, "You got to get through it to get to it," and so. That's what the Jacksonville Jaguars, they have to go through it. Can Urban Meyer 
go through it to get to it because he's just like he's saying heartbreaking devastating man it's october now last night was september 30th it wasn't even october yet you're in september and you're talking about devastating and heartbreaking and it's really getting to him it really just messes with his spirit can he get through this thing can he can he sustain uh his energy and his focus through a five and 12 season or four and 13 season and know that that team got better. Like they'll be four and 13. So they, they, they started, won't be a joke, but the record will look like a joke, but they won't be, you know what I mean? They started, they started one and no last year. They've lost 19 straight. Um, Ooh. So I, I, I hear you, but what I struggle with is so it, I feel like what you're saying is a preseason take, respectfully. I, I feel like what you're saying is, you know, what you heard last night is confirming what you already thought about Urban Meyer coming into this job. Like, for, for those got, who haven't, but but this is what, I'm not saying it's personal, I'm not but this is what I've heard from you since the beginning. No, but since, since he got the job, you didn't like him getting the job to begin with. I remember that. That's number one. Fit. I think it's a bad fit, but okay, I hope he, that's hope number he one. And and nothing you've seen to this point, whether it's preseason struggles, whether it's rumors of, of, of friction within the organization, and the 0-4 start, and his reaction to these losses, preseason and regular season, nothing has moved you off the idea that Urban Meyer just ain't built for this NFL life. That's what I'm hearing right now. Where I disagree with you, and it remains to be seen, where I disagree with you is that um, he, I don't think he sees it the way you see it. You see a, you see a team that's four and 13 or five and 12 or something like that. Not only do I think urban is saying what needs to be said, I think he is saying what he believes and should believe because if, if you're coaching a team and you go into games expecting to lose because you're not good enough or, or, or you're accepting struggles because hey this is who we are this is who, and this is who we should be we shouldn't be winning these games then no you shouldn't be here and i think players and your staff will see through that i didn't say that how though. could but how could i didn't say that though well but i, didn't I say feel that. like that's what you're insinuating that. that no you're, no, you're saying no. he said well, okay oh let me say it this way i'll just say this mike they had one of the worst defenses in history last year one of the mm -hmm. worst defenses in the history of football Last year, just last year, they had two first round picks this year. One of them, a generational quarterback. The other first round pick is teammate out for the season. They brought in some free agents. They made some draft picks. They upgraded, but it wasn't so much of an upgrade. Like we'd be foolish to think it was enough of an upgrade. But Michael to make but them Michael. suddenly go from but, but Michael, uh, 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 they a got, bad team they to got, a good one. They got stomped by the Texans. They got stomped by the Texans. They lost at an undefeated Denver Broncos team. You know how hard it is to play in Denver. So they got stomped by the Texans. Right, right, they right. lost at Denver. They were leading the Cardinals last week. And I know there's no column for leads. And they were up 14-0. And if not for a, 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 a stop at the one-yard line before the half on fourth down, maybe 21-0 yeah. against... A good Bengals team who honestly I want to pivot and talk about now because for me I think last night for you seemed like it was more about Jacksonville and and the Urban Meyer experiment and Trevor Lawrence's maturation for me It was more about the Bengals. I want to get to them in a second. All I'm saying is 
that's your evaluation of what Jacksonville should be. That's your evaluation of, of, the, of their reality. They can't operate in that reality. And I'm not, this isn't a, you what never you played, you don't know. That's not what, that, that's not what I'm saying. Uh, that's not what I'm saying. I did I'm, play the game. I'm simply I saying. Anyway, no, no. Yeah. What, what, what that's do you not think, what I'm saying. What do you think their, what do you think their, uh, their evaluation should be? What do you think about the Jacksonville Jaguars? What, what's, their, what's their ceiling? I told opinion? you what I thought about the Jaguars. I thought they would be competitive. But it, like, I'm, I'm responding to what you thought about They have them. been. I thought they would be competitive. They and have they have been, been competitive. Okay, but your right. take on Urban Meyer. All right, I guess I guess I just didn't. That's my. You know what? That's my bad. That's my bad. I guess I'm just. I'm struggling to process where you were coming from. Like I said, it's me, not you. Let me move on to what, if you don't mind, what stood out to me last night, which is the Bengals, and and Joe Burrow, because I don't think it's going to be very long before the Bengals will have the best quarterback in the AFC North. And I love me some Lamar Jackson. I love me some Lamar Jackson. Mm. He's as dynamic a performer we've ever ever seen at that position, okay? Um, And I still think he will continue to develop as a a passer. And there are things around him, injuries, wide receivers, system even, that are contributing to his limitations as a passer. But I absolutely love Lamar Jackson. But when I look at Joe Burrow, I see a guy that's got everything you look for in a franchise quarterback. They call him Joey Franchise for a reason, okay? He's got everything you look for in a franchise quarterback. And when you look at the rest of that division, Ben Roethlisberger is not only on the decline, maybe done, but on the way out. Baker Mayfield, good enough to win with that roster, but I would take Burrow's potential over Mayfield's potential personally, um, which leaves Lamar Jackson. And I think Joe Burrow, not now, right now I would take Lamar over Burrow, but I think if Burrow continues to ascend the way he has in terms of his execution, his moxie, his savvy, I think Cincinnati, look, Andy Dalton was was good. Andy Dalton was decent to good. Carson Palmer looked like he was going to be incredible, and we know that didn't end well. And I get his 17-20 in the second half, against the Jaguars doesn't put one in the Hall of Fame. I understand it. But I'd like to think I know it when I see it. And I think we know it when we see it. The kid had it at LSU and he's got it in Cincinnati. And as that team grows up with him and around him, oh, who's that catching the ball? Is that Jamar? I don't know. Is that Jamar Chase? Oh, yeah. Oh, Jamar Chase. Yeah. I think the kids just got got it all. And if he can stay healthy, and obviously that last year we saw, you know, he got beat up and, and, and had his season cut short. The sky's the limit for this dude. You know, the sky's the limit. So I, I feel like they have a premier quarterback yeah. and he is going to be the one. He's going to be the one. They, they had Boomer Esiason. They had Ken Anderson. They had really good quarterback. Carson Palmer was good for a minute. They've had really good quarterbacks in Cincinnati. They've had some misses in Cincinnati, as we know. Not only do I think they hit the, they hit on this one, the team that you don't think, because of its ownership history, because of you know cheap-ass Mike Brown, the team that you think doesn't want to win, I think will ultimately win it all with Joe Burrow at quarterback. He's, he's special. Uh, the more I see him, the more I love him. And, and to me, they were the story last night going from 14 nothing to scoring on every possession in the second half and beating a very competitive, tough 
Jaguars team, which just hasn't learned how to finish yet, and they Man, should be frustrated. And they should expect more from themselves because the, right. the way you lose 19 games in a row is getting comfortable with losing. And I like that Urban Meyer to bring it full circle. That's part of it. Is uncomfortable with losing. He should be uncomfortable with losing. He should not That's have nice. any. I mean, he look, should not have patience with it. It should seem like he he, he, he can't deal with the no. process. The, the, well, no, you're saying you don't know if he's cut out to go through okay, it to look, get that, to okay, it. Okay, look, look, man, I can't. I That's can't what you just said, isn't it? This, you this took you took my feet item and said no, you don't know if he's no, cut no, out no. for it, right? Isn't that what you no, said? No, he's not. You don't know. If, he's not. If, he's not cut out for it. I, I need to, I, I'm going to say okay. he's not because I don't I know if it's a little too passive. I'm going to I'm going to give an active voice. He is not. He's okay, not cut you out are wrong. Now you are wrong. Because the way okay. you, you know he shouldn't be right. cut out for it. That's the problem. If you're going to change a culture, accepting no, not, accepting no, things the, the way they have hey, Gary, been doesn't change hey, Gary, anything. I'm show you the problem. He should have a, he should have zero patience for losing. No, 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 no. It ain't about Urban Meyer though. It ain't about Urban. I mean, he's part of the story. He's a small part of. It. He's like ten percent of the story. And his his aphorisms and I'm sure he's got nice little phrases on the wall. And then on the walls that don't have phrases on See? them, they probably have holes in See? them where he's hit the wall. See? No, 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 no. Hey, look, a lot of coaches have that. A lot of coaches have that. But Gary, do me a favor. And when Mike was talking about Joe Burrow, and you were running that B-roll, just bring that B-roll back. I'm going sh- to show you the problem, Mike, as we rave about Joe Burrow and, and talk about him being the best quarterback in the AFC North. Slow down. Slow down. Go Stop. there. Slow Stop. down. See, they, okay. Wait. There you go, not listening. There Look, you go, not listening. I, I, I one said, day, I, I know right one day now, he will be. He's not there. I know. Okay. I heard you. I heard Thank you. you. Come on. You got two other young yeah. quarterbacks up and coming quarterbacks. In Let's have division. some fun on Friday. Literalists, literalists are going to ruin this country uh, at, at some point. All right. Now, this is bad defense, Mike. <laughs> That's the problem. It's bad defense. Is it scheme? Oh, I don't know. Or maybe it's the players. Look at this. I mean, okay, the coverage is horrible. This is horrible. They're not good. Now, they got the mental right, I'm sure, from Urban Meyer. Their mental is right. Their heart is good. They care about it. They study. He doesn't have enough players. I'll give you an example. I've told you this example before. I'll bring it up. I've written about it. It's one of my favorite anecdotes from Bill Belichick. So to go from a a neophyte, head coach at the pro level in Urban Meyer to the most experienced one in the NFL, Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick, they win Super Bowl 36. I told you this story. You were there. Super Bowl 36, they win it. I go into the locker room. I get a one-on-one with Bill Belichick. Thank you. Oh, wow, this is it. This is great. He's there. He's exhausted. And I'm talking about winning the championship and how great he must feel that the rebuild is over and they, their championship team. He said, no, no, no. We won a championship, but we're not a championship team. He said, the rebuild's not over. We're, I've been a part of great championship teams. This is not a great team. I said, how many players are you away from being a great team? My man said 20. He said they were 20 players away. They had just won the Super Bowl. So, I mean, that's just being realistic. You won the Super Bowl. You have high expectations. You did everything you were supposed to do. You game plan for the St. Louis Rams, on and on and on. You won the game, but you're also realistic about what your talent base is. And that's all I'm saying about Jacksonville. Good for you, Urban Meyer. I'm not going to beat you up today. Uh, I'm glad that you are, uh, you see victories in that locker room and you see heart in that locker room. I do too. But the reality is they ain't ready yet. And it's nobody's fault. It's not, I'm not blaming Urban. 
Mike, how do you go from being a historically bad defense in 2020 to being 11 and 6 in 2021? It usually doesn't happen. There are exceptions. It usually doesn't happen. It's not going to happen in Jacksonville, but they're not doomed. They're I don't know who spread. predicted 11 and 6. What are you? All right. 10 and okay. 7. 9 we'll and 8. We'll leave it there. We'll leave it there. Okay. 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 Play action now. Deck all kinds of time. Middle of the field. Intercepted. Overthrew his man. Intercepted by Asante Samuel Jr. The rookie with his first pick runs out of bounds in Dallas territory at the 45. A 25-yard return. Now Mahomes the pass. Climbs the pocket. There's Chenna. Sets him. And that ball is intercepted. That is through the hands of Marcus Kemp. And is that Asante Samuel Jr. with his second consecutive interception in his third game as a professional? Oh, Hulk. All right, Mike. Uh, how fortunate are we? We are, we are going to be joined by the defensive rookie of the month. That is Asante Samuel Jr. You just saw the highlights there intercepting oh no small thing intercepting in one of those clips Dak Prescott in the other oh I don't know Patrick Mahomes and the Patrick Mahomes interception Asante that was a little drama that was that was had a little flair to it had a little stretch out you look like a receiver picking that one off and Asante I got to tell you uh, Michael Smith said this earlier and I'm gonna back him up man we feel old we feel old man like we both, we, we cut our teeth covering the New England Patriots. And I remember when your father was drafted. I remember that draft day. And here you are playing in the league, man. How you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? Man, we're great, doing great. Man. And and let me tell you, uh, first of all, we know you're 21 years old. Uh, my first question for you, you got this is your birthday weekend. So what, yeah, what are the birthday weekend plans? We, we, we trying to get a three interception game. What's up for the weekend? God's plan. I'm gonna leave it up to God. I just wanna, I just wanna make sure we win, though, for sure. You what have. Was, what was it uh, like? Uh, oh, go ahead, Mike. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say you got two interceptions, four passes defense, and listen, man, this this is this blew my mind. Forty six coverage snaps, Asante. You've allowed one catch for minus two yards. Like you're playing some lockdown defense. What, to what would you attribute your ability to transition so smoothly, so quickly from the college game to the NFL game? Uh, I was just saying, uh, being from Florida, um, going against uh, some of the best athletes in the world in Florida and from high school, I went to St. Thomas Aquinas. That's a powerhouse high school. Then Florida State, we always have guys that's athletes and um, pro pro NFL guys. So I felt like... Um, my upbringing and from Little League, uh, Pop Warner, just playing against some top talent in Pop Warner, just it's just uh, years of going against great competition. Well, that, that leads me right into my next question because I imagine seeing Mike mentioned you picking off Dak Prescott and Patrick Mahomes. I imagine seeing him on Sundays is not that difficult given that you lining up across from Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and Justin Herbert slinging that thing every day in practice. How has practicing against your offense made you better? 
Oh, uh, at training camp, they got me a lot better. Uh, just seeing, like, little things that uh, vet guys know, like Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, like little things to get little uh, separation or uh, ball placement from Justin Herbert. And it's just uh, those guys are great. They have a great duo, great quarterback, uh, great offense all around. So uh, I'm just blessed to be able to be a part of that and be able to compete with them guys every day. Uh, I, I mentioned I mentioned your father earlier and how in New England, when they drafted him, even before they drafted him, uh, Josh McDaniels at the time worked him out in Central Florida. He came back reporting about this guy, Asante Samuel Jr., and, uh, Asante Samuel, excuse me, and said he loves the big lights. He loves big games. In big games, he's going to play his best. And you saw your father do that with all his uh, career interceptions. I'm wondering, what's your first memory of, of seeing – your father in the NFL? Is there, a, is there a moment that you remember, or is it just like, hey, I remember my dad uh, as a member of the Patriots. What, what, was, what was your first memory of, of him in the pros? Uh, I wouldn't say my first memory, but a memory that always sticks out to me is when um, I think it was the, the AFC Championship game when he picked off Peyton Manning. And uh, that's kind of like, uh, you picking off Peyton Manning. And, and, and that time, that was like kind of a big thing. So when he did that, that kind of like always stuck with me. And they still play that until this to this day. You know what, Asante? I got a I got a personal question to ask you. Um, somewhat of a personal question. You know, obviously named after your father. A lot of people, I'm sure, like us, bring up your father to you. You chip off the old block, a ball hawk. Um, you know, following in his footsteps, right? But I'm always fascinated. You know, we, we talk about fatherhood a lot on this show. Michael has two sons. I got a son. I'm named after my dad. I'm fascinated by people who follow in their parents, or in this case, their father's footsteps. Can you, can you talk about, explain to us, what that's like to kind of balance that privilege with that pressure, uh, but also like just trying to be your own person and not wanting just to be Asante Samuel Jr., but to be your own player, your own man, your own person, like what is that balance like for you? Uh, I feel like it's not even any pressure. If you go out there and you work hard each week and go out there and grind, I mean, you're just going to go out there and, and show what you've been grinding for. But uh, it's definitely a privilege. And uh, I feel like uh, it, it helped me in the long run just being able to uh, have a, a father that was in the NFL and just – Seeing him do some, seeing him do things, and see how he go about things, I feel like that helped me. Yeah, and I think that's a, I think it's a great question, Mike and Asante. You brought up uh, your father in that interception, just for example. You know, two thousand that was two thousand six, and he ran the route better than Marvin Harrison did. He picked it off and ran back. I, I remember it to this day. I remember it like it happened yesterday. But you said it helped you. To have him in your life, probably in many ways, but football-wise, do you ever talk technique with them? And, and and if so, what's the what's the biggest piece of advice, technique-wise, that he gave you that you still apply today? Uh, I say uh, definitely he just helped me with my ball skills and like being able to track the ball, being able to go get the ball, and just being around the ball. I feel like that's what he helped me out the most. And um, yeah. That's why just getting that ball. That's a, the ball is the key, and if you get the ball, you're gonna be a great player in this league. What do What do you want to 
continue to build on. I mean, again, two interceptions in your first three games off of, again, two of the elite quarterbacks in the league, you're fitting right in. I, I, I just rattled off the stats. You're not giving up practically anything in coverage. What are the things that you look at that you still see? Yeah, I'm rookie of the month, but I still got areas that I can improve upon that I need to that I need to tighten up. What, what areas do you still feel like you need to tighten up? Uh, honestly, uh, and you can ask my head coach, I feel like I still haven't even played a good game yet. I mean, I caught interception, made plays, but like all around four quarters of football, I feel like I haven't played my best football yet. So I'm still grinding. I'm still a rookie. I still got a lot. I, it's three games. I mean, three games is a lot, but it's a little bit compared to 17. So it's just the beginning of the stretch. And I'm um, just trying to get comfortable and uh, just execute out there and uh, win games. Because, you know, man, like I really, I, we, we've been talking a lot about your dad because we grew up covering your dad. And obviously you have the same name. Y'all play the same position. You're off to a great start, right? But, mm-hmm. you know, I really want to get to, it, it, this isn't just God-given talent or genetics that he passed on. Obviously, he's giving you some advice and so on and so forth. But I'd love to know, what did Asante Samuel Jr., you mentioned that grind. What did Asante Samuel Jr. do to get to this point, to go to FSU, to ball out of FSU, to be a second-round pick, to come in and be, uh, you know, rookie of the month, his first month in the league? What did you do to get here? Because nothing was handed to you, I'm sure, despite having a famous name. Oh, for sure. I, uh, I'll say it started um, when I was a kid, Little League. I've been had the name of Sante Samuel. So uh, when I'm out there, they kind of like gunning for me. I got a, a target on my back because uh, obviously my, my dad was in the NFL. So they trying to make a name off that stuff so, and, and make plays off me. So uh, I always had to bring my A game. And uh, it just always was a competition. I always wanted to come out on top regardless of the situation. So, uh, yeah, it, it's been a long – this didn't happen overnight. This happened many years of training, many years of grinding, many years of mental focus and um, being able to just push through everything, all the adversity, and just and just uh, – I'm just blessed to be here. So uh, I couldn't have done it without my family, my uh, everybody that helped me get here, and my coaches, everybody. So it, it wasn't um, just me. It was uh, a lot of people. You talked about your your high school, uh, St. Thomas Aquinas, and how the competition there was very high. Uh, give us an example, like you know, week to week. You know, who did you go against that that we would know, whether from college or or now in the pros, just like you? Who were some of the folks that you had to uh, go up against? Uh, well, we we had Joshua Palmer. Uh, he's on our team now. Uh, Joshua Palmer. He uh, he got drafted with me this year. Uh, he was a receiver out there. We had a, a guy named Sam Bruce. He was like the number one receiver in the country at the time. We had a guy named Trayvon Grimes. We had a guy, he was a five-star at the time. We had a guy named uh, Michael Harley. He's at Miami right now. We had a lot of guys that were elite talent that went D1. I think everybody in the receiver room went D1 uh, from St. Thomas. So uh, just going up, just showing up to practice, you're going to get better. So all you got to do is show up to St. Thomas. Yeah, and so now, I mean, you've, you've been used to that. As you said, high school, uh, best of the best. Obviously, Florida State, the tradition there is rich, especially at, the, at your position. I mean, one of the greatest ever, prime time. But now when you look at T-ball. the pros, yeah. <laughs> what is it? Terrell Buckley, top five pick there too. Um, when, you, when you get to the pros and you are going against these elite players, what, what stands out to you? Is there 
Is there something that maybe surprised you, whether it was your first preseason game or first game, speed, route running, anything jump out at you and say, oh, wait a minute, this is a little different. I got to adjust to this. I'll definitely say, like, the timing of the quarterbacks and uh, it's like uh, as soon as the receiver getting out the break, it's like the, the, the football is already hitting the receiver's chest. So you can't really have too many false steps and you can't, you can't have any false steps if you want to make a play on the ball in this league. So uh, you just got to make sure you know what's going on, know your call, know have the right leverage, make sure you're doing all the little things because the little things are miles in the NFL. Last thing we got for you, man, is this. Uh, there's a lot of excitement about your team, especially, you know, after that win last week and the four takeaways y'all had against the Chiefs. You got an exciting young quarterback. The offensive might have the offensive rookie of the year last year. You're on your way to being defensive rookie of the year this year. But what's the mood around the team? And, and what did that win against Kansas City uh, in Kansas City? What did that mean for you guys in, in terms of y'all confidence, and just the energy and excitement internally? Because there's a lot of excitement now about the Chargers on the outside? Oh, internally, it was good. It was a nice win. It was definitely a, a division win, so we, we appreciated that win. But we came in that week knowing we was going to win, and it, it it didn't surprise anybody in the locker room after we won. So it was kind of like uh, we just we just held, holding ourselves to a higher standard from before. So, like, we feel like we should dominate. Everything is about the Chargers. We play different teams, but everything at the end of the day is about the Chargers, and we got to make sure – the main thing is the main thing and uh, do what we do best and uh, just go out there and execute and compete. That's all you can do out here. Well, man, you're playing like you belong in the, at this level. You're talking like you belong at this level. It's, it's obvious that you were built for this. Can't wait to see what y'all do against the Raiders, man. It's going to be a hell of a game. Chargers Raiders this weekend. And uh, happy birthday, 22. Oh, we wouldn't give, give to be 22 again. Uh, you know, so, <laughs> hey, congratulations, man, and on, on being Defensive Rookie of the Month. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on here. Yeah, thanks for the time. Thank you, brother. Thanks for coming through. Hey, Mike, it's a damn good thing we're going to be at the Super Bowl in L.A. at SoFi Stadium because the halftime performance, the halftime show might be better than the game. I don't care who's in it. Like, I mean... Yeah, it will be. I I don't even know where to begin with this lineup of Snoop Dogg, Mary J. Blige, Dr. Dre, Eminem, Kendrick Lamar, and God only knows what kind of cameos or who they gonna bring out. I mean, this feel like Essence Fest. They didn't turn the Super Bowl to Essence Fest or Summer Jam or something. Right. Like I am don't you know about hype it? about this lineup. Yeah. But nowhere near as hype as Kimberly A. Martin, who <laughs> has just been <laughs> throwing up every gift she could think of in celebration of this <laughs> announcement. That was Super Bowl 56 halftime show. <laughs> Kimberly Martin is here joining us now. Uh, NFL insider uh, for the undefeated and ESPN. Like, I mean, listen, I don't even know where to begin with, with what songs I want to hear. I, like the playlist could be in, they, what, what won't they play? So just how excited are you about this lineup, Kimberly? I honestly couldn't think about anything else. I was like, Mary's there. Okay. Like family affair. Forget about Dre. Like you know, those are gonna those are gonna um, be played. And I really thought I was gonna hear from the league when I tweeted that 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 gift of Goodell at halftime. Like, <laughs> like what is it? Right. I don't like. I know we trying to do this for the culture, but damn, you know. Um, but no, I'm I'm really excited, and I hate that you guys are rubbing it in that you're going because some of us aren't as cool 
and important. How are you as, not going? As other, you know, I've only been at ESPN 18 months now. Like, it's only been 18 months. Like, there's, you know. There's, really? There's, yeah. Yeah. Feels like longer, right? Yeah. Well, I well, will say I will call some people, but I, I ain't got, I ain't got, as you might imagine, I ain't got no juice there no more. You know, they, like, yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> hey, I just want to make sure, though. I don't know if you should call anybody, Michael. I don't know. <laughs> no, it probably wouldn't help. That probably I, would do the opposite. That would have the opposite I, effect, actually. I, I think, I think we got to deal with this, though. I think we got to deal with this. I just, I'm not sure if my camera is malfunctioning. But Kimberly is that Kimberly is actually there. Kimberly's here. I just can't believe you. You come you come around like you have an Olympic cycle. You come around like She's wow. Yeah, are, really, like, are we really doing? I, are we really doing this? On we're this blessed. Show? Are we? We're blessed. I'm, I'm just so glad. I'm Kimberly. Thank you. I'm just so glad. He's doing. I'm just so glad that you're here. He's doing. I'm just I just want to make sure too. it's actually you. I am not a hologram. I am here. I'm listen. I'm out trying to manifest everything I want. I'm mad busy, but I I've been dying to come talk to you guys because there's a lot, a lot, a lot of NFL stuff to get to. So, okay. Well, tell me this. Well, that's a good transition to this. Like, what's what's getting besides the halftime show, which which everybody is thinking about. Okay, before you start thinking about the halftime show and you couldn't think about anything else, what were you thinking about before you knew? that Kendrick and Mary and everybody else is going to be there. <laughs> so we have never seen Brady Belichick. Like we haven't seen this sort of matchup. It's almost like it really is that college reunion. I said it on ESPN this week. It's like, you know, you're about to go to your college reunion and you know, your ex is going to be there. The same girl that was like, I love you. It's me, not you. Um, but this just isn't working. So, you know, you got to put on, you know, you got to dress to impress. You got to show up to the college reunion, look your best, make her jealous, and then go home. You know what I mean? Like that, like it's that sort of energy when I think of Tom and Brady. Relationships are hard. This sounds like a it, personal story. This sounds like you speak from experience. Come on, now. This don't sound like you're making this up. Come on. You have specifics. You ain't like, look, Mike. She said college reunion, and then right. you go. You got right. the dress down, and then make him There's jealous or her jealous. They who's go, the guy? What's up? Who, who's the yeah. guy? Fellas, fellas. <laughs> we just I, talking. I, as a listen, it's just family here. Nobody else is listening. Um, no, nobody. That's right. Don't worry about it. I'm a for, I'm a former psych major. I think about everything. The NFL is all about relationships, and that is how I see okay. Bill and Tom. It's a marriage that. Ran its course, great six beautiful kids together, but it was time for everybody to go their separate ways. So I'm excited to see what happens when they come back together. Well, if you want to stick with the relationship um, metaphor, then what? Uh, who who's, who got you? Whose side are you on? Like, who are you pulling for? Oh. I know you're a journalist, but who would you like to see yeah. come out on top here? I'm super impartial being a journalist, but in all honesty, I think Brady has to win this because do you expect the Patriots to win this? No. Uh, Mac Jones, honestly, he doesn't even get the magnitude of what Brady was. Like all week he's been, he hasn't even named Tom Brady. He's sort of like, you know, it's not, it's not about one versus one. It's about, you know, our team 11 versus 11 and blah, 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 blah. So, you know, like, I don't think he gets, that the pomp and circumstance that he is going to witness. 
Um, but we expect this is a Bucks team that we expect to be a favorite to get back to the Super Bowl, to possibly win it again. So nobody's thinking, except if you live in New England, I don't think anybody thinks the Patriots are actually going to win this game just because Tom is coming back. Everybody on the Bucks understands they're not about to let Tom leave Foxborough without a W. Hello. So I'm expecting Tom to win. I'm expecting him to try to throw. He's going to pass Drew Brees, obviously. He's going to throw for five touchdowns. Like any sort of rec- any sort of way that he could say, oh, you thought moving on from me was going to leave you guys in a better spot? Oh, no. Oh, no. He's proven it to this point, but getting a win in Foxborough makes it even better. Uh, first of all, uh, as I live in New England, I'm going to tell you, not many people in New England think oh. <laughs> the Patriots are going to win either. I mean, just... You see it. You see it. It's it's Tom Brady, a, a loaded Buccaneers team and a Patriots team that doesn't look very good at best average at best. But when you look at this, you say, you know, Brady needs to win it. How about Belichick? You know, uh, he was asked today about, hey, were you better? Do you think you would have had as much success without Tom? He said, no, of course not. But now that Tom is gone, and the Patriots were seven and nine last year without Tom Brady, and one and two this year without Tom Brady. Do you think Belichick needs to reestablish or remind everybody, "Hey, this is why I'm special. Let me show you. This is why you you praise me." I understand the question. I think if we're being objective, there's nothing that Belichick, to me, needs to do to further establish. I'm one of the greatest to ever coach this game. Let's be honest. You know, like Brady could win another Super Bowl. Yeah, we get it. You're the greatest to play this game. We get it. I think the same thing with Bill. Um, Belichick, it's a business, man. Like he's he's not about to think about loyal. Unfortunately, unfortunately, loyalty and sort of like the relationship aspect. Like he's about. Listen, if I think you're on the decline, if I think. It's better for me to bench you right now. I don't care if you're a veteran, Malcolm Butler. You know, like, those things are going to happen. And Brady thought that he was different, special. He is. But in Belichick's mind, it's like, I treat everybody the same, which is very different and weird. Right. But that's what it is. He moves on. And he moves on. Would, did he foresee Brady winning a Super Bowl with Tampa? Probably not. I don't think many of us did until they got, you know, to the playoffs. But, you know, Belichick has nothing more to prove. It'd be great for for him if they beat the if they beat the Bucks and Tom Brady. But I don't think he has anything to prove to us. Yeah, no. I mean, neither of them do. I saw Santa Michael the other day. Like, sure, it'd be satisfying from a competitive standpoint for yeah. both of them to win. But Brady's already dropped the mic by winning the Super Bowl last year. <laughs> Belichick, we know he has no regrets. You know what I mean? So neither mm-hmm. of them is, is going to score any legacy points by winning this game. And listen, I'm glad, they, I'm glad, however it went down, whether Tom was tired of Bill or Bill thought Tom was done, I'm glad right. it happened because I was thinking in, in the multiverse, in an alternate universe, Tom retiring a Patriot mm. would have been boring. This is so much better that we got this. This is so much oh. sexier that we get the college reunion so that we're talking about. You know what I mean? We get to watch, you know, these two guys. Where match was that wits. college reunion? Um, Where was it? Just, just theoretically, what city was it? I'm just, I mean, not that it was a real I mean, thing, but just. I mean, just, it, you know, five years ago, it's such a long time. I can't really remember um, what oh, city okay. Okay. that was. So we can was. confirm that it's true. Uh-huh. Gotcha. 
Gotcha. It's true. Okay, good. That, that at least we get, we'll leave it. We won't get you in okay. no trouble. <laughs> but we can confirm that it was based on true events. It was a long Names time ago. have been look. redacted to protect the innocent. All good. Um, hey, look. Hus- go- it was before you, honey. Hu- husband, husband. <laughs> this ain't got nothing to do with you. Look, look. I'm with you right now. I'm right. Exactly. I ain't worried about him. I'm with you. I'm very happy. I'm very happy. I got to go over here real quick to show what he misses. Right. Okay, and then I'm going to come back. Yes. <laughs> right. Let right. me go back in time a, a little bit more recent to your Jets days. And I wonder if uh, you are seeing uh, shades of Sam Darnold, if this is deja vu from a Jets uh, franchise perspective, or are, are, are you encouraged, or the people you're talking to encouraged about Zach Wilson using this adversity and building on this adversity and, and, and being able to withstand it um, for the better? You know what's interesting? I almost see the Sam Darnold jet situation similarly, like in what's happening in Chicago. Like I don't like I don't get mm-hmm. Sam Darnold vibes with Salah and Zach Wilson um, because I, everybody in the Jets organization say what you want. They've been consistent about what the plan is. We trust this kid. We believe in this kid. He's the future. We think we have enough pieces and support around him. He's got the mental makeup that the scars that he's he's enduring each and every week, he's not going to be battered or ruined by them. They still stand firm to that. I, I don't. I think it's a mistake to not have a veteran presence, a re, like a real veteran who has played the position who could tell him when he's throwing four picks against the Patriots, a game I covered. Hey, man, sit down. This is what is, I've been here. Right. Just take a breath. Blah 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 blah. But what's happening to me in in Chicago? I like I I covered that Browns Bears game. Like I I listened to Matt Nagy mm-hmm. today talk to reporters and say. The, the starter for Sunday against the Lions is going to be a game time decision. Like that's yeah. what's happening in Chicago is very. Um, I don't think it's going to end well, and and I'm curious to see who it doesn't end well for because you got Nagy, you got Andy Dalton, and you got Justin Fields, and it just doesn't seem to be ha- like it's being handled properly. Oh, I I can tell you how. It's, if you don't think it's going to end well, let me help you. <laughs> It's going to be Matt Nagy. I mean, they're not going to get rid of Justin Fields. Andy I'm, Dalton's not going to be the answer. I know. I know. Bye. I know. I know. It's shades of, it's shades of Adam Gase from, from, you know, when you watch him talk and you're like, this makes well, no ouch. sense. You know? Well, no, that's like, why. That, like a but, personnel but no, guy Kimberly even texted me saying that. Said it makes no sense? Yeah. No, Adam Gates. Yeah, but right. no, but but I, but I like but I like how you I like how Kimberly said it though, Michael. That she doesn't know who is going to end well for Nagy, Justin Fields, obviously Ryan Pace. Because and here's a Sam Darnold to Justin Fields comparison. This is how it starts because Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy's evaluation took them to Justin Fields. They draft Justin Fields. If they don't get it right, and the next regime comes in, a la the you know the new Jets regime that's like this ain't the guy we picked you know what I mean and and we're moving on and we're going to reset it and that's how the cycle continues and now Justin Fields got to go somewhere else because he wasn't coached properly I really love the way you connected those two games you you covered because that takes me to my last question for you which is uh where are you going to be this week I'm going to be in Philly Chiefs are coming to the Eagles both teams are one and two 
coming off losses. Okay. Mm-hmm. What's happening? Uh, like, right. Like, what are you looking for from Kansas City? I think Patrick Mahomes spoke to like having their backs against the wall or something to that effect. This is yes. this is un, un, unfamiliar territory for Kansas City. Yes, that's what's interesting. But what hasn't changed is the fact that they say there's no panic in the building. But Patrick actually is excited about the fact that hey, we're one and two. We're in last place in the division. When was the last time? The Chiefs were in last place in the division. This is a team that started the season talking about, hey, we're trying to get back to the Super Bowl for a third straight year. Now we're talking about the Raiders and the Chargers and the Broncos. Um, Not even hunted. This is a, the Hunters. Right? But, right. but now, now the Chiefs come into this game looking, looking at the Eagles like this is a get-right get game. Like we're trying to win and the Eagles are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't try to come up in our place try to use us to get get you guys on the right track. But it's going to be a tough challenge for this Eagles team. But um, I'm excited. It's going to be good. Jalen Hurts versus Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I think that's good. And I know Michael has one last question for you, but just a quick follow on, on your assignment. Do you already have your kicks picked out? That's what the people want to know. I do not. I do not. That is, that is, um, you know, right before I pass, <laughs> I grab something. Gotcha. I feel inspired gotcha. in that moment. Um, okay. I don't love a lot of matchy matchy. You know, as you can see, I like to stand out a little bit. Um, so whatever hits me is how I'm inspired. That's okay. Because 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 the sneaker ends respect your shoe yeah. game. Let's just say, let's just put it that way. Definitely, <laughs> rightfully so, rightfully so. Listen, speaking of inspiration and, and, and hitting you the right way, I'm I'm wondering, I'm wondering, Kimberly out of all of these artists that you were so excited about last night and remain excited about, just give me one, is there one song from one of them that just kind of speaks to you, an, a time in your life, a moment in your life, that Mary J have something that said, that's it, Kendrick, Dre. Oh yeah, she was oh. listening to Mary J on the way to the college I mean, reunion. Duh, <laughs> like we already which one, heard you. Which, Give me that one song though. No, um, with Mary, that one song, I think Family Fair, I just want to hear Mary sing Dancerie. I just want us to be up in the Dancerie, because as a kid, we were like, and we're like, what? What is she saying? Um, but I'm excited yeah. about all of it. Like, the was it The Chronics came out? Like, I'm going to date myself. Was it eighth grade? I remember being on the school bus, and like, you know, this white kid next to me had this tape before I did. I was like, what is that? And so, like, I just remember... <laughs> Being like, I don't know if we're allowed to listen to this kind of music, but right, parental advisory. You know, the man. Once you saw that sticker, you're like, oh, this will be good. So that's the, that's yeah. the stuff that really that's what hit me yesterday when I heard. I'm just gonna tell you. Can no, I, just I mean, tell the you, truth of the matter um, is the fact that we've lived to see Snoop and Dre become Super Bowl halftime entertainment. It's like, hello, wow. <laughs> who would have yeah. thought? Who would have seen that? Uh, Kimberly. Yes, Kimberly, uh, the chronic did not come out in eighth grade. I'm just, just saying it wasn't eighth grade. Well, <laughs> it was after. It was for her? after eighth grade. It, no, no, I'm just, that's what I'm saying. It wasn't eighth grade. Oh. It was a lot later than eighth grade for some of us. But okay, all right, that's a good time. That's a good time to to say goodbye. And now just think about my life. I'm going over my life now. <laughs> Hey, Kimberly, and, 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 and ignore Michael Holly. 
we know you're busy. We just appreciate your time. It's so good to get you whenever we could get you. We just missed you. That's all. But we understand. I miss you guys. Too. That a lot of people pulling at you, and rightfully so. So. No. Thank you, Kimberly. You Thank you. Always a pleasure. Keep up the great work. We appreciate you. Do you think that you would have had the success that you have had here if Tom Brady wasn't your quarterback? Yeah, of course not. Um, you know, what about having him in that partnership, I guess, brought you guys over the top for those years? Well, I mean, we talked about that for two decades. I think I've been on the record, I don't know, dozens of times saying there's no quarterback I would rather have than Tom Brady. And I still feel that way. I was very lucky to have Tom as the quarterback for to coach him. And, um, I mean, he was as, as good as any coach could ever ask for. Uh, that was as mushy as anybody could ask for from Bill Belichick. That's as sentimental as he's going to get. It's Friday. That's it. A couple of days away from the the, uh, the game we've all been looking forward to for so long. And I've been looking forward to today for a while. We've been talking all week about Seth Rickersham's forthcoming book, It's Better to Be Feared. And Seth Rickersham joins us now. This is special for me. Um, Michael, I've known Seth almost as long as I've known you. Seth is a really, really good friend of mine. He's a brother of mine. I remember sitting in a restaurant in New York. Seth, I don't remember the restaurant, but I remember you telling me that you were working on this book a few years ago. And to see it and to have it, it's, it, it means a lot to me. I'm happy for you, brother. Congratulations. Uh, and just on a personal level, before you and Michael kind of talk as authors, because I just want to sit back and listen to two dudes <laughs> that have done this on this dynasty talk about this, just on a personal level, man, I'd love to know what this week has been like for you, uh, being kind of in this vortex uh, and, and, and making news, which is I the goal for all of us as journalists, but making news, uh, listening to all parties involved, respond to some of the things that have, uh, have been previewed from the book. Just what's it been like personally to see such a labor of love come to fruition in the way that it has strategically during this week uh, before the biggest regular season game in years? I mean, it's been a great week, but it's an especially great week to hear that from you, my friend. Um, you know, I have so much respect for you and I have so much respect for Michael. And um, it's a, I'm so happy to be here on your show and happy to get going. Oh, I thought, you Mike, I thought you would. You, okay. All right. No, yeah. no. I, so I, listen, look, we're all I just gonna, want to tell him I love gonna start crying. Yeah, I just, want, I, 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 I just want to tell Seth I love him. Like, I, you know, <laughs> that was all I had. No, I got more than that. You go ahead, Mike. <laughs> so, I, you know, I, I put uh, Seth, I, I'm glad to have you, uh, and, and, and congratulations on the publication. You know, some, I think it was, a lot of people have said this, it is good to have written, but sometimes <laughs> during the process can really be aggravating. Uh, you have an outline, and sometimes the outline uh, you don't follow the outline. I mean, things happen. Some people come through that you don't expect to come through. Some people break down that you don't expect to break down. It really is. Uh, it really is a process. So congratulations on getting through that whole thing. And, I put and in Michael, feed, though, and, I said, and Michael, really yeah. quick. And I mean, you were in my head during the process because I've reread your book many times, but it's one thing to read it as a reader or if you're trying to learn about 
bill or whoever. It's a whole other thing if you're like staring at a bunch of empty pages on a computer and you're like, wait a second. Michael Holly crushed his book. David Halberstam crushed his book. Ian O'Connor crushed his. How am I going to do this? So I just want to let you know that like, you know, what you said is not only true, but your own work made it even more true. Well, good. I, hey, I'm glad I can help. I and mean, that's really is. It's pushing it along, man. We, you know, we, you, you build on the next one, build on the next one and come up with something greater. So I have great expectations uh, for you always and, and your work. I want to ask you this. I put in the feed. I said, Belichick and Brady are storytellers. They are storytellers. But that's another way of saying, if you read, uh, uh, if you look at the second or third definition, that they have a habit of not quite telling the truth. So if you listen, <laughs> if you go with it this week, Tom Brady says, hey, that phone call was handled perfectly with Bill Belichick. Okay, I, I love Coach. He's a mentor of mine. Uh, Bill says, I'd rather, yeah, there's no other quarterback I'd rather have than Tom. I'm not surprised at anything Tom Brady does. So, okay, what, so why are you guys on opposite sidelines? And I guess that's my question. Why are they where they are right now? based on your, yeah. your reporting and writing. Yeah, and I mean, you know, the, the call really had more to do with Tom than Bill and, and Tom's perception of it. And, and after, you know, that night that he told the Patriots that he was leaving, um, you know, he did tell one of his very close friends that he thought it was telling that, that he only talked to Bill on the phone, even though the conversation itself on the phone was unbelievable. I mean, Bill called him the greatest player the league had ever seen. The reason why Tom Brady is a Tampa Bay Buck right now to be – in, in, in the shortest form, is that he has been very open about his desire to play until he's 45 years old, and the Patriots were simply not willing to commit to him that long. And it wasn't just Bill Belichick. Obviously, it's Bill Belichick making a decision, and I wrote in the book that he thought that Brady was close to the end. But Robert Kraft, you know, backed him in it. And at the Super Bowl where the Niners played the Chiefs, Robert Kraft told other owners, look, we, we want Tom but maybe not until he's 45 years old. And in August of 2019, after Tom and Bill had won their sixth Super Bowl, they're in a really difficult contract negotiation. At one point, Tom Brady considers leaving training camp because he's so frustrated about how things are going. And they agree to a deal that's billed as a two-year deal, but was really just a one-year deal. And within, I think, 48 hours of that deal being announced, Tom Brady and Giselle Bunchen put their home up for sale. And as he said publicly since then, he knew that that would be his last year in New England. So you talked earlier about reading Michael's book. That was fascinating. Reading his book uh, from the perspective of somebody who's trying to build on that work. Not that they are on opposite sidelines. Seth, your observation skills have always been, you know, uncanny. I'd love to know how you're watching Sunday night's game and if there's something you're going to be looking for uh, in particular, whether it's schematically, uh, whether it's just, you know, details, scene, like, like what are you going to be looking for when they meet on Sunday night? All right. So once the game starts, I mean, obviously the pregame hug, and I do think that they'll hug in the, in the pregame, not postgame. I think that, you know, that'll be interesting. But once the game starts, one of the things I write about in this book, and it's a common theme, is how Bill Belichick is able to consistently – not only undo quarterbacks, but undo offensive coaches and find ways to use their genius against them. He did it, obviously, with Peyton Manning so many times early in his career. 
He broke Mike Martz in the Super Bowl. He haunted Mike Shanahan after they took an intentional safety in 2003. He, you know, he, he broke Sean McVay. I think that Jared Goff was probably on his way out after that Super Bowl, even though he technically didn't leave for a while. And, you know, the way that defenses are so scared of Tom Brady that they play back and they give him the short, quick pass, and Tom will take that all day long. That's how he prefers to play football, take the highest percentage thing and move the chains. And it's going to be interesting because nobody knows Tom Brady's strengths and weaknesses better than Bill Belichick. And I think he's going to get in receivers' faces. He's going to do everything possible to disrupt their timing. But how he pressures Tom, to me, is going to be the most interesting factor in this game. And whether he's able to successfully do that, um, I think will determine who wins. I love the, uh, I love the symmetry here. Seth, uh, on Sunday. So we'll have, I can just imagine it already. On one sideline, you have Tom Brady in a Tampa Bay Buccaneers uniform. And just parenthetically, that's still freaking weird to me. Tom Brady with the Buccaneer on his helmet. Like, if they still had the old creamsicle uniforms, that'd be even stranger. But, but Tom Brady Buccaneer is still weird. So Brady Buccaneer, Bill Belichick in the hoodie, representing the Patriots. But how about the eye in the sky? Uh, and that is Robert Kraft. And he's got, he's been forced to choose. He really has great affection for Tom Brady. He doesn't have great affection for Bill Belichick. He understands how Belichick is good for the bottom line, but it's not like he's got the feels for Belichick. So what do you think this will be like for him, especially if Brady comes out with a, you know, a convincing victory? I mean, uh... I think that Robert Kraft will be in his owner's suite and be on the field and wondering why did it have to be this way? And knowing that he was part of it and that he backed Bill Belichick, but he'll wonder why is Tom Brady, the same question you were asking, this looks weird. He shouldn't be in that uniform. It should be us who's defending Super Bowl champions right now, not them. It should have been for us that he threw 50 touchdown passes in 2020, not the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I think that that's going to be the thing that, that is kind of on his mind um, win or lose, I think he'll he'll just he'll feel like. I bet it'll be a little melancholic for him. No, you got to get going. Um, I'll, I'll I'll leave you with this. This is my last question for you, Seth. Is uh, as but as best as you can share. Um, I wonder what the reaction has been from your sources around the league, or specifically the sources that helped you uh, construct this book. Now that it's out, now that they've read it or at least gotten some of the, you know, some, uh, some preview uh, information from it, what kind of reaction have you gotten? It's, all, it's been all positive. And, you know, look, I, I know that some of the nuggets that got released were, were, you know, kind of juicy and had some swear words and this, that and the other. But, you know, this is a book that I did the very best I could that tried to get at how Bill Belichick and how Tom Brady became so great at something so inherently fleeting and that's greatness in professional football and how they were able to do it for so long and what were the costs of that greatness but i think that it's a study it's a it's a character study i mean if you read the book i don't base it around the super bowls i base it around the way that these guys evolve as characters and um i hope that people um, read it, and I hope that they learn something from it because I think that there's some hilarious moments involving Bill Belichick. Everyone always talks about how Bill Belichick's funny. I think there are some really good, funny moments in there. And I think that Tom Brady, there are some moments with Tom Brady that shows just, you know, in a very earnest way how motivated he is and how 
he got to be as mentally tough as he is. Okay, we can't let you go after you said that. All right, one more. This is the last question. Give me one of those funny. Give me a funny. Uh, everybody wants to know Bill Belichick and his funny moments. Give me one. All right, well, so this is a family program, and so there's a lot that I can't share, but I'll share one that's, that touches on the line. Who said it's a family <laughs> program? Who said that? Who said that? <laughs> and so there's, there's one moment where um, uh, Belichick goes to his computer and as soon as he turns on his computer, porn starts screaming from his computer and people can hear it down the hallways. And some of the assistant coaches had rigged up his computer so that when he turned it on, porn would just start screaming. And of course, Bill doesn't exactly know how to turn off his computer. So he's banging the keyboard. He's trying to figure out how to turn the volume down. In the meantime, porn is just screaming down the hallways. And finally, he gets under his desk and unplugs the entire computer, cussing the entire time to try to get it to turn off. I, that's I, that scene is hilarious. That just I could picture that. In I was going to say, just um, just trying to imagine that. Hey, Seth. Um, again, man, you're an incredible writer, uh, an incredible reporter, uh, a better friend. I'm so happy for you. I really am. And, and I was looking forward to this all week. We've been looking forward to this book for a long time. Congratulations. Continued success to you. Thanks for spending some time with us. And uh, keep kicking ass, man. We appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. It's great to be with you always. Thank you, Seth. I've been very blessed. I went to high school football where I fell in love with that. I went to Michigan, which was amazing for me. Um, had its challenges, but I learned a lot. 20 years in New England was incredible. Um, I learned a lot. You know, come down here for a year and a half, I've learned a lot. So um, I have nothing but incredible thoughts, memories, emotions towards all the kind of football experiences I've had. And that, that's obviously one that was the longest. And um, I still have a lot of great friends there. But they know I want to kick their butt this week. So they'll, they'll know exactly how I'm feeling once I'm out there. Yo, Tom Brady might be a questionable voice uh, for Sunday Man. night at this point. Um, so a couple of things, and, and that was a great conversation with Seth, and it sparked a few thoughts. Um, I, don't, I think it was last week, all these days running together. I think it was last week when you, uh, you know, in passing, predicted that the Patriots would, uh, quote-unquote, have something for the Bucks and, and would win this game. And I know yeah. you walked that back after what we saw this past weekend. But that's, that's not what I really want to get into. I, I'm, yeah. just re- I'm on the fence. I'm kinda... I know. I'm well, on the fence there. Okay. I'm on the fence, but, good, but keep good. going. Keep going. But no, that, that's actually good. Okay, that, that's great. I'm, I'm glad we're going here then. Because um, yeah. then fast forward to... Um, and I'm not a betting man, you know this, but maybe, and maybe you probably already yeah. know this bit of information, but I read where the Buccaneers are attracting almost uh, all of the betting dollars. Um, mm-hmm. and, and what's the spread now? Is it seven? What's the, what's the, do you know what the spread is at this point? It's still seven? I don't know what the sp- uh, spread is because, Mike, I, I'm no longer a betting man. I don't know if you noticed. I'm no longer a betting no, man. I did I've not. Changed my ways. I, I, I didn't for know TV that you purposes. had. Uh... I've changed oh, my ways okay. for TV okay. purposes. Um, I do. I do my sin in private now. Okay, I do my sin in private. <laughs> I think it's a seven. I think it's still a seven point spread. I think. Okay. Anyway, that's that's not even my point. That's not even my point. It feels like. Yep. Um, and Kimberly alluded to this a second ago. Uh, that the expectation is that the Bucks will win this game. But mm-hmm. we talked yesterday about the about the the chess match, 
um, this 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 battle of this, this of wits of of two of the smartest people to ever participate uh, in this game, and and Seth just alluded to it a second ago, and even even I'm I'm, I'm li- listening to you. Oh, it's five and a half. Okay, point spread is five and a half now. Okay, so I guess it's moving. Yeah. Right. Um, I listened to you earlier when you talked about the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 36, and, and all of it's kind of like colliding in my head because I'm just like, you know what? We've seen yeah. this movie before. The hype right. for this is Super Bowl caliber hype. It's playoff caliber hype. And so I think back to Belichick versus the greatest show on turf. I think back to Belichick versus Manning. And I know this is Tom Brady, and I know he's the greatest, and I know he knows the answers to the tests. And I know there's a talent gap between the Buccaneers offense, which is, I think, getting Antonio Brown back and the Patriots uh, defense or just their overall roster. I get all of that. But I'm just like, wouldn't it be Belichickian? Wouldn't it be just like Bill Belichick? Good thought. To to flummox not just Tom Brady, but Byron Leftwich and Bruce Arians to find a way to take away what they do best. The same way he did with Marshall Falk and Kurt Warner. The same way he did with Marvin Harrison and Peyton Manning. Just to find, a, and, and, and I'm sure for, for purposes of this game, and this is, this is what I'm saying about why it doesn't necessarily matter in the same way it matters to us on the outside. Because from Belichick, from, from uh, soulless, heartless, emotionless Bill Belichick, Brady's just another quarterback that he's got to attack. And I, I just, I would not put it past him. I like the Bucks to win this game. I do. Yeah, right. And I want the right. Bucks to win this game because I would like to see Brady break the record and get the win. But part of me really is reluctant to, to write off the bad guy. Because let's make no mistake about it. Belichick's the bad guy in this story. In, in this drama, right. Belichick is yes, the antagonist. Yes. There is no question mm-hmm. about it. This is not a Judas. This is not a Benedict Brady. I, you tell me, I don't believe that anybody in New England is sitting back blaming Tom Brady for leaving. Nobody's burning mm-hmm. their 12 jerseys. Okay, well, well I don't want to go too far, but okay. it doesn't feel like, <laughs> okay. a, right. like he spurned New England as much as the Patriots, at least the narrative is the Patriots underestimated him, didn't give him the contract he wanted, Belichick mistreated him in the latter years, and he had no choice but to leave is the way it's being spun nationally, locally, yeah. maybe it's different. Point being, the yeah. bad guy's got something up his sleeve. That's uh, up his hoodie, up his cutoff sleeve, if you will. Yeah, look, man, uh, I'll just start here. I'll start here. I'll say uh, I love Boston. I do. I love the city of Boston. Uh, I have been here for, for the most part for 27 years, uh, 27 years this month. I've uh, been in Boston, and one of the great things about the place is whether you're a star on a, on a sports team or even a scrub on a sports team, this city has a way of just wrapping its collective arms around you, pulling you close and saying you're one of ours. So with Tom Brady, Tom Brady's the top of the mountain, clearly. Uh, uh, on the mountain, on a mountain that includes Ted Williams and Bill Russell and Bobby Orr and Larry Bird and many others, Tom Brady's at the top. Trust, no argument whatsoever. So when Tom Brady was here, people said he's getting railroaded by the commissioner. Hey, we're going to write amicus briefs on your behalf because they, have, they are doing you wrong. 
I heard when I was doing talk radio, I heard from law students, I heard from engineers, I heard from scientists, I heard from grandmothers and grandfathers talking about Tom Brady. He grew up in California, but man, you are a New Englander. We got you, dog. And then when you leave New England, sorry, I'm sorry. When you leave, even if it ain't your fault, you leave. (laughs) Some people are like, oh, for real, you left? Straight up? Okay. I remember that. So you're right. Most people, most people will cheer for him. But there's some Bostonians who just don't let that stuff go. And, and, and I'm sorry, the people around the country be like, but how could you do it? He won six championships for you. That's, why, I know. that's how I look it's at it. Boston. That's how I look at it. It's a Boston like, thing. You, 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 got, you just like, got to know it. You, you're able to have hey. your, your New England, your Boston arrogance has been fed by this man's unparalleled greatness. And you're going to hold it against him that he didn't spend 22 years with you? Arrogance was there before Arrogance was there before Tom Brady. Arrogance, arrogance That's was there what I'm before Tom Brady. No, I, I, said. I said your arrogance yeah, has been fed. fed. It's fed. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It gave you more reason to be that right, way. Now, let me say this. Uh, also, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you this, and you bring up an, an astute point. I think, man, sometimes, sometimes we, we don't see it the same way. Sometimes, boom, we're right there, aligned. I'm right with you on your Belichick point of wouldn't this be a Belichickian thing to do? I'll use this example. My, bro- my brother, my big brother, I-, I remember growing up, man, and-, and he used to do some things. You know, there are a couple of kids in the neighborhood. My brother and, and this kid down the street, man, I'd go in the garage sometimes, and those dudes would be in there taking bikes apart. I'm not talking about this basic bike. I'm talking about like five speeds, 10 speeds, taking them apart just because they could, and then they put it back together. And then they just ride off. They do that for fun. And I just never understood that kind of mind because if I, if I pop my chain on my 10 speed, I might be able to put it back on, but that, that really wasn't my gift. But there are certain people who can just take it apart and put it back together. And that's very natural for them. For, for them. But Bill Belichick takes it to a different level. He'll take, your apart, he'll take your offense apart for fun. He'll put it back together and his genius comes with his ability to tell you in three or four bullet points what he learned. He learns a volume of information, but he can reduce it to three or four bullet points to help his team. So he has done that, no question, with the Tampa Bay offense because he believes it's his offense. There's a little battle back and forth this week between Bruce Arians well, and Bill Belichick. Arians says, it's also hey, half they stole an from us. It's also yeah. half an offense. Yeah. They, don't, they don't run the ball particularly well. You know, right. so... That, that, that's an aspect that you, I, you, we know the Bucks will not run the ball. He'll, he'll, he'll stop right. the run Except. with seven at the most, okay, uh, and, Except and play a Patriots, lot of different coverages against Belichick, against Brady. The Patriots might dare him to. The, the, the Patriots that's might what say, I'm saying. Tom, you got to. You're so smart. That's my point. Yeah, like you, That's exactly my point. You got to do it. They, they're not. He's. Yeah. They're not going to commit any more resources than necessary to stop in the run. They're going. He's, he's. You know he loves cover five. They're going to keep two safeties deep. Yeah. They're not giving up anything deep. Yeah. You know, and they're going to play. Man, they're going to play man underneath. They'll probably put J.C. Jackson on, on on Mike Evans or something. They're going to and they're going to stop him with the bare minimum of seven guys, if not fewer, and say you got. You're going to have to run the ball. We're going to test your patience. We're not going to let you do what you do best, which is which is big plays downfield. I, and, I, and this is a, uh, the last thing I'll say before I kick it back to you. Tom Brady is special. We know that. And, and this week has been about 
the greatness. Like the last year has been about the greatness of Tom Brady. And as you accurately say, Bill Belichick is the bad guy. He's the villain. Maybe this week is Bill Belichick's reminder, not that he needs to, but it's a reminder of, you know, we're both special. I know you don't like me. I, you know, he, he's, he's the handsome movie star. He's the goat. He's got seven championships. He left me and he's off having fun in the Florida sun. He is special, but so am I. And we helped each other. And so maybe this is the week that you'll be reminded of, of the, the gift that Bill Belichick has. And it may not be a coincidence. It may not be a coincidence that Tom Brady, some of his worst games have come against Bill Belichick's buddies. 38 to 3 oh, last you know, year, Sean oh, Payton. You know, good and well, he's probably looking Conference at Dolphins. Championship now. game. Yeah, right. Like Nick he's Saban, at Dol- shut yeah, him out, 21 zip. Yes. Uh, yes. D- Dean Pease, Dean Pease, uh, Conference Championship game 2012. In Baltimore. So, yeah. No. I'm um, telling you. So, look, for, for old okay, time's sake, for, it's now for old time's sake. So, the spread, I'm told, is anywhere between five and a half and seven and a half. Okay, so it depends on which book you're talking about. For old time's sake, because I know I know I know you still got it in you. Um, go ahead and place your bet. Who are you putting your money on? Oh. oh, come on, come on, come on! You got the bell for me? You got oh, the oh, bell? No, actually, my bet. Putting my is money this, on. Is this my bet? Who are you putting my uh, money on? My bet's your money. I tell you, Mike. Patriots might steal a win. Forget about the line. They might steal outright. A win. I'm gonna go with the Patriots. Ooh. Ooh, okay. And I see Okay. That. Okay. Uh, I'll take the points. Go with the Patriots. Bucks Beep. win a close win, but I'll take the points. Bucks, Bucks win on a field goal. Because Mac Jones. We even talk about Mac Jones. What do he got? What do he got? This ain't just offense versus mm. defense. He got to show up. Our teams are always been built around his needs. Uh, so it was kind of surprising to see, you know, what was said that even going back to, uh, I mean, the reason we signed out is, you know, we got rid of Jimmy, which I still think it was a mistake, uh, just to make sure that, you know, we, he, he, won, he needed the ball in his hands and, you know, that's the decision that made. Uh, but, uh, yeah, like I said, it, it is surprising. Uh, but, I'm really focused on the guys that are here. Uh, you know, uh, the situation is is weird, disappointing, uh, borderline kind of disrespectful to all the guys that are out here, you know, fighting for their lives. All right, so it, it's it's real as of today, Michael Holly. It is real because um, today. Ben Simmons was supposed to receive the second 25% installment of his salary for the 21-22 season, roughly $8.25 million. And reportedly, the Sixers ain't paying him. Okay? Mm. Friday night, he did not just get paid. Meanwhile, my mans liked, because you know we track likes nowadays, liked the IG post. Yeah, yeah about the fines that he is subject to uh, for holding out. And uh, I've seen it reported that he is hell-bent on sticking with 
his plan of not showing up until a lesson until he's traded. But but Bleacher Report today is reporting that, oh, on the contrary, he might show up and claim to be injured, claim that he can't play, can't practice yeah. because he's hurt. Uh, Vinny Goodwill, yeah. what are you hearing? But I'm honestly more interested in what you think, brother, because we've been talking about this all week. This is this thing. This yes, is, a, is a conversation machine. This Ben Simmons Sixers standoff. We've said so much. Love to hear what you think about everything that's come out this week about Simmons motivation, what you heard from media day and this latest report that he may show up and claim that he's hurt. It is clear that both sides are done with each other. It is also clear that there is a healthy amount of, I won't even say disrespect, but it might be this thing at this point. When Joel Embiid, who can't help but be honest at this point, Joel Embiid has basically been probably standing up for the sake of the team, you know, throughout this whole saga. And now he's come to a point where he's reached critical mass. Almost like, look, y'all going to stop asking me about this because I'm supposed to be the franchise player, right? But because y'all tried to, this franchise has tried to do everything to accommodate Ben Simmons and not me, this is the product that we're left with. You know, Al Horford being brought in, who plays the same position as me. You know, letting my best friend on this team walk, Jimmy Butler, because Ben Simmons needs the ball. Us not taking Jason Tatum, which he didn't say. The fact that they didn't take Jason Tatum in the 2017 draft and while they're doing that end around with the Celtics because taking Markel Fultz and then learning that Ben Simmons was hell bent on playing point guard at that point. Like all of these things have been done in the name of maximizing or hiding sort of the weaknesses of Ben Simmons and not necessarily accentuating what Joel Embiid needs. I mean, you literally brought in Al Horford as a player who plays the same position when the league is getting smaller. You brought in another seven footer who was going to clog up space as Ben Simmons insurance to some degree. So you can play and flip flop different lineups. You know what I mean? So now at this point, you're looking at Doc Rivers and uh, Daryl Morey. They didn't create this monster. Now, you can say whatever we want about how Doc Rivers handled himself at the Game 7, how Daryl Morey likes to kick it. But they walked in here thinking we had two franchise players making max money who are lined up for the foreseeable future, not knowing that 12 months later it was going to blow up in their face because of mistakes that were made before they even got there. And that's why yeah. Daryl Moore is not going to take pennies on a dollar because he felt like he didn't create this situation. And Ben Simmons is done with them because he felt like the organization threw him under the bus. And Doc Rivers is like, wait a minute, y'all mad at me for being honest. Y'all saw what I saw. <laughs> and Joel right. Embiid is like, so, wait a minute, I'm supposed to be the MVP and y'all not building around me. So everybody's right and everybody's wrong. And this is just delicious. <laughs> uh, way to stick the landing. No, because uh, we Michael and I were talking about this the other day. Um, what, what bothered me about the ringer report from Kevin O'Connor and it echoed much of what we read from the athletic as well about Ben wanting to go somewhere where he can be the man where the offense could be even more so and obviously we heard and be debunked this but built around him and, and, and showcase him. He doesn't want to be number two anymore. And what bothered me about all this reporting is I haven't seen anywhere where he's like, hey, I want to go somewhere where I can win a championship. Or I want to go somewhere where I could compete. It's like, no, I want to go somewhere where I'm even more of a focal point. That, that doesn't reflect well on Ben Simmons and his priorities or his judgment. I wonder, and Michael talked about yesterday, needing to hear from Ben Simmons directly as opposed to sources or clutch sports or whatever, right? Vinny, I wonder 
what does this entire saga with each day's report say about Ben Simmons? Because we all speculated about what he's not made of based on his performance or lack thereof. But what do these reports and this innuendo and, and these suggestions about what's driving this, what does it say about what who Ben Simmons is and what he isn't? It says that he thinks very highly of himself. It says that on some level, and these are some of the things that you were hearing about a couple of weeks ago, right when everything broke out, it was they chose Joel Embiid over me. That seems to imply that he thinks of himself on the same level as a Joel Embiid, that he feels like the team should be built around him. Now, from Joel Embiid's standpoint, he felt like the team was sort of built around Ben Simmons' weaknesses. From Ben Simmons' standpoint, none of these guys are built to play with me. So I think he wants to go to a team at 25 years old. I'm sure he wants to accumulate the stats and get the status and everything that comes with the trappings of being an NBA player, along with the numbers, because he's got the contract already, to show what he can do. It sounds nice to say that every player wants to win a championship, but every player wants to win a championship on their terms. And to win a championship, Ben Simmons has to first prove that he is a number one franchise type of player once he proves that then you can say all right now I want to win because when you're 25 and you feel like that your game has been largely sacrificial to everybody else whether it's to a Jimmy Butler to a Tobias Harris to a Joel Embiid to all these iterations of the 76ers that have been around over the past few years he doesn't feel like he's been his full self we don't know what his full self could be we have an idea we could think of him as sort of a, a not as strong like Giannis not as aggressive like Giannis but he thinks that if he were placed in that type of environment that he could produce in that way I'm not saying that he's right or wrong but I will say he's much better as I think I said to you guys a few weeks back he's much better as either your third option your third best player or as right. your best player where everything you do as a franchise has to be considered around him because his skills are so unique and his flaws are so pronounced. Well, like I told Michael, the Hall of Fame is, is full of number twos. So it just, it, it's, it's a turnoff. It's a turnoff, honestly. We're like, you got opportunity to play with Joel Embiid and that's what's driving you away? Go ahead, Mike, you got it. Well, yeah, well, Vinny, I'm going to ask you about Ben Simmons in a second, but it's just one of those things that uh, Embiid said in passing. Just kind of in passing, look, hey, we moved on from, from Jimmy Butler, which, which was a mistake, and that was part of a Ben Simmons rant. Just to be clear, did the Sixers move on from Jimmy Butler because of Ben Simmons, or was that uh, some other foolish reason? Because if you really think about it, he was the number three. You had Embiid, you had Jimmy Butler, and you had Ben Simmons. He was your third option. So why did they move on from Jimmy Butler? Because Ben Simmons won the ball in the fourth quarter because Brett Brown did not have the requisite personality to be able to handle a Jimmy Butler in the locker room and on the floor. And with the, you know, the combination of those two things, maybe could he have come back? Maybe, but under those circumstances, the Miami Heat were a much better situation for Jimmy. If you are Joel Embiid and you see the very next season, your team is bounced out of the playoffs in the first round in the bubble. The team led by Jimmy Butler goes to the finals you're validated in what you are thinking. Because if you remember in that Toronto Raptors playoff series, Ben Simmons was largely neutralized in the fourth quarter. He couldn't handle the ball because Jimmy Butler was your fourth quarter ball handler, as he should have been. He's the better option on both ends of the floor to be able to dictate tempo, especially because he's not afraid to shoot. He's not afraid to take the big shot. 
that also tends to render a guy like Ben Simmons useless. That's going to be a problem no matter where he goes from this point, because if he won't shoot the ball and he won't attack the basket because he's afraid to go to the line, he can't be your point guard, which means he has to be your power forward. And that's where other teams that I've talked to have said that they view him at this point as being a power okay. forward. Once again, does Ben that, Simmons yeah. think he's a power forward? That is the question, gentlemen. And I was just going to ask you that. I was just going to ask you that, uh, Vinny. So I, I think when we talk about Ben Simmons, all of us, I, my, myself included, like we all get so emotional. Like it, he's your kind of player or he's not. Uh, he's making the right decision or he's being a baby. He's being soft. So it's like there's so much emotion and personal stuff wrapped in it. But let we just talked about Bill Belichick just taking the emotion out of it and just getting in and figuring out what this asset is. So if we go in and look at Ben Simmons, do you agree with these folks that he's not a point guard, that ultimately what he is is a 6'10", 4 or 5 in today's game? He's a 4 or 5 who can't shoot. Is that what he is? Yeah, if he can't shoot and won't shoot, then yeah, he is your power forward, small forward. I don't think he can play five. I don't think he has the girth to play five, even in a small ball game. But if he's your best player, the question you have to ask yourself as a franchise is, what do we want to be? Do you want to be a franchise whose best player is so talented and so gifted that he won't work, which sets an example for everybody else, which sets the example for everybody else in the locker room. If Ben Simmons is your best player, what type of character, team Whoa. character do you have? You know what I mean? And, and that's, and that's oh, no shot at Ben something. What? What I say? You just said something, though. You just said something. You said, ooh, you said uh, he won't work. So I always thought it was here between the ears. Oh, no, like, been, uh, you know, it's some mental block. But you, does he have a bad he work? You, you're saying he has a bad work ethic? I'm does not saying he has a bad, bad work ethic. I'm not saying he has a bad work ethic. But the people that I've talked to, who have done their intel on him as far as evaluating his trade value have said two things that have come back that have been very consistent is that he's Hollywood and that he doesn't put in the work. They, one of them told me specifically, mm. yeah. I can deal with the Hollywood if you're putting in the work, but if you're not putting in the work, I can't have you here. Not that's with been, the type of team that I have. That's been a knock on him for years. That's been a knock on him for years. That, I mean, and, and, and the proof is in the lack of improvement in, in his offensive game, in evolution in his offensive game. Look, if Ben Simmons, ben Simmons is, the, is the best player or the centerpiece on a team that cannot get a player of his caliber without winning the lottery. That's, that's it. Like, he's, he's, he's not a contender's best player. And I don't think a contender is going to blow up its team for him, which brings me to this. To, if, if, if we're done here, Michael, you got anything else on Simmons? I was going to pivot to another player. Yep. You good? Okay. Right. So, pivot. which brings me to this. Vinny, I want to ask you about Bradley Beal. I knew you were going and there. And not Go Bradley Beal's, but wait, no, 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 not Bradley Beal's vaccination status. I'm gonna let I'm gonna let LeBron and Draymond and and Kyrie and Bradley Beal, the NBA's version of the five percenters, because 95 percent of the players are vaccinated. I'm gonna let, I'm gonna let them be political pawns. I'm gonna let I'm gonna let Ted Cruz and them use them. I ain't got nothing to say about them. I'm talking about the fact that Bradley Beal is looking at, I believe, a four-year, $180 million contract extension, which he says he's going to take his time deciding whether or not to sign. So Westbrook's off to L.A. They got a lot of depth, a lot of pieces. Beal seems to be this person that the rest of the league is, like, waiting to change his mind and, and not be lawyer to D.C., specifically a Daryl Morey. 
What are you hearing? They haven't taken the court yet. We'll see how, how good the Wizards are or aren't. What are you hearing about that situation and, and who could realistically be in play? Would the Wizards look at a Ben Simmons if forced to trade Bradley Beal or is that just wishful thinking on the part of Maury? What, what's your read on this situation in D.C.? I think it's one of those things, guys, where Bradley Beal is the last name on the, the chessboard in the terms of player empowerment, because honestly, or player movement, because I'm not sure if any more stars are going to be moving around, you know, in the near future, even a guy like Zion. So if Bradley Beal, who may be a, you know, second, third tier guy, I don't think he's a guy that can be your best player and you win a championship or contend for a championship. I don't, I don't think he's that caliber of ball player. That's no shade to him. I just think he's better as a complimentary piece than he is as a centerpiece. Yes, Daryl Morey is looking at him. Daryl Morey wanted James Harden. Not saying that they're in the same in the same class, but you're talking about as a compliment to Joel Embiid as a perimeter guy who can get his own shot. And Bradley Beal, from everything that I've been told, has been a guy who likes comfort. That's one of the reasons that he likes being in Washington is because he's in charge. And I don't know if you're going to go anywhere else and be in charge in that way. Not from a let's say ego standpoint, but just from the standpoint of whose voice matters the most. Only in Washington, D.C. could Bradley Beal have said what he said on media day the other day, and it carried the way that it did because he has the sweat equity in that franchise and in that community on the floor and off where that meant something. And that, I believe, means something to him. Does it mean more than winning? Does it mean more in the faith in the organization? I'm not sure. It's, it's always, up for the, always up for debate, in my opinion, because you can look that contract in the face and say, you know what, I want to win, but who's turning down another $200 million? I'm not sure. But if Bradley Beal's your best player, I'm not sure if you're any better than the Washington Wizards are right now, considering the last time the Washington Wizards won 50 games, we hadn't had the new Jack Swing ever. We weren't in playoff expansion. Tom Brady might not have been born. You know what I mean? Like Bill Belichick <laughs> might have been an assistant in the, in the Detroit Lions system to show you how bad that franchise is and to show you how hard up he might have been for a job at the time. The last time the Washington Wizards bullets meant a damn. See, Vinny, aren't you, listen, aren't you proud of me? Not a, I listened to you because we, we referenced it earlier in the week. I read your great column. Michael Holly said he was exhausted and he wasn't going to get pulled back into no vaccine conversation. Not doing Look, it. See, you, th you thought it. I was going to ask you, but I, I, we, we talk basketball. Yep. We ain't giving these people you no more ahead, oxygen, right? I thought, Let them play I thought themselves. Bradley, go. Let LeBron play himself. I thought that y'all was going to give me an opportunity for my best Kyrie Irving joke. I thought y'all was going to give me the runway forward. Well, what is it? Go for it. Go. Kyrie, Ir Kyrie Irving got like metaphors. He's like the dude that says, a man who sleeps on the floor cannot fall out of the bed. And Kyrie Irving <laughs> is also the dude that pushes on doors that says pull and gets mad at the door. <laughs> Listen. Fact, all, 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 all in, all all in fun, all in fun, folks. Don't don't be blowing us up on YouTube saying that we anti-black and all this other stuff. Anti-black. Well, I'll, well, listen, I, I'll text you later because we got to figure out what, what's Draymond Green in. All of them are political pawns right about now. So anyway, yeah. hey man, we love you. Not, we appreciate not, you. Not doing it. We ain't appreciate doing it, Mike. Appreciate y'all. Don't do it, Mike. We're not doing it. I know. I said I wasn't doing it. I said we wasn't talking. We ain't about doing it. it. All right, let's uh, let's wrap this party up, wrap the week up. Hearing from our man of the people, Ooh. Brandon Newman, our social media manager. Uh, we showed on time, Brandon. What's first? What the people talking about? Well, last week we had the uh, the privilege of having the best shooter 
Stephen Curry on the podcast, on the podcast, on this show. You asked him specifically, he talked to Bob Myers about Ben Simmons' availability. Mr. Basketball said, Andrew Wiggins plus Moody plus two first-round picks for Ben Simmons. Wiseman plus a second-round pick for Dylan Brooks. Time for the Warriors to all-in focus on Steph's prime and only one player development, probably Kaminga in my case. Listen, my thing is Ben Simmons needs to go somewhere and disappear. They got the wrong California city. He needs to go to Sacramento Kings and go so we don't care about what he does. Mike? Yeah, you know what? I think he'd be helped. I think if if they still have, if Steve Kerr is still there, I'm just trying to help Ben Simmons, Mike. I'm so stubborn. I'm just not getting this. I'm not, I'm not getting this thing. This guy just won't shoot. I'm thinking maybe being around a coach is one of the greatest shooters ever. Being around Steph Curry, the greatest shooter shooter ever. Maybe that will kind of, by osmosis, Ben Simmons might jack up a few threes. Just jack him up and start shooting. Start shooting with your right hand. I like it. Well, a couple quick things. This trade doesn't work. I mean, I can't imagine Daryl Morey wanting Andrew Wiggins uh, and two first-round picks in Moody. I, that, that, that's not enough uh, in his mind. For that's not bad. Secondly, that's, I, not, that's I, a good no, trade. That's a good trade. Is it? Okay, well, yeah. we don't need to waste too much time on this. Meanwhile, Bob, uh, the Joe Laker was right. Dude can't close games. Make too much money. Again, the Sixers have a problem that nobody is falling over themselves to solve. What's the second comment before we go, man? We got about two minutes. What you got? All right. Well, Chris Long, you guys talked about, I've been talking about Brady and Belichick all season long, uh, all, all week long. This comment came from a collection of sales on, on YouTube. He said, last season, Cam Newton, and let me remind y'all anti-Cam, y'all know who y'all are, Michael Holly. Cam Newton was brought, brought in late to the New England. No OTAs, no training camp, no preseason. And terrible supporting cast on offense. New England was two and one the first three games of the season. Hmm. I think this guy's playing a little marvels. What if Cam Newton was the quarterback yeah. that Tom Brady was meeting in Foxborough this weekend? I love that. Sh- I love that series. What if? I- and Mike, I'll let you talk about that. But I'll just say this: not that I'm anti-Cam because I like Cam very much as uh, personally, and I love him with the love of Jesus Christ. Let me just put that out there, okay? Um, <laughs> That's what, all right. that's what they all but, say. Oh, I love him as a person. Hey, hey, how she look? She got a good hey, personality. Hey, you know? but Mike, Mike, what if Cam Newton had a team right now? <laughs> I'm not, even, I'm not, oh, can't that's not, I'm not gonna off. laugh at that. You can't turn it I'm off. I'm not even gonna laugh at that. I'm not even gonna laugh at that. That's not even. That's not even funny. Yeah, I'm gonna make fun unemployed. There, you're bad, bad, bad. <laughs> Hey, your boy, your boy, your boy, Mac Jones. Okay, look, quiet as it's kept, lowest of keys. Your boy, Mac Jones, don't exactly look like that much of an upgrade. Mm. Oh, he got to He he needs to put a buck. Now keep it a buck. You ain't right. Have a good weekend.